Hello, and welcome to the Christian Talk Show, and you're with J.K. Woodall Ministries. Today is the talk show with Mr. Branch Isolé. He is the author of at least four different genres. He's also a poet, and through his life, as you were here, changed him and it's changing people that he interacts with so today in this talk show it's going to be no different i believe someone's going to get changed someone's going to get touched and inspired by mr branch's story his life has moved him all around the world and he's discovered things in other faiths but he knows that jesus is the way the truth and the life so listen to Mr. Branch, listen to his story, see how God has moved in his life because he's going to do the same in yours. Stay blessed, stay healthy, and remember to subscribe and share. Amen. <laughs> you know, my IT, my IT person and your perseverance. Oh, we appreciate you. We appreciate you so much. You know, all the talk shows are different, but you know, <clears throat> on the platforms that they use. But one thing's in common for this show is that you're going to reach people with the word of God and let them know how God has changed what's going on in your life. This is going to be an exciting talk Amen. show for us. Well, me too, because he changes my life every day. Amen, sir. Amen, sir. When we, I'm going to have a quick opening prayer here. Heavenly Father, thank you again for blessing us. Thank you for Mr. Branch and what he's about to tell us about himself and how you changed his life. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for being with us today and allowing us to come together so we can hear and see your miracles at work. Amen and amen. Amen. <laughs> amen. <clears throat> so... All right, Mr. Branch, you know, we got to give your, give the audience a quick introduction about yourself and, and when. Wow. Thanks. Um, well, my name is Branch Isolay. I'm an author and writer. Um, I try to share God's word and spiritual strength with listeners and readers, um, across the world. I, I have a YouTube channel. I've got a website. We post lots of thought for the days, short stories, poems. Everything is primarily spiritually based. We're trying to help people find the Lord in their own lives. Um, we're, we all have situations where we struggle and we're in conflict and it's easy to let the world bury us under its ways and keep us from the Lord's ways. So my efforts are to share the word and help people discover the strength that God's spirit within them can give them to handle, you know, everyday situations in their life. Amen. Amen. You know, Mr. Branch, when I got your website also in the link here uh, in the author and in, in your bio, so as folks see it, they'd be able to link in and, and check you out on, on your website. But, oh, you know, you got an interesting story. 
Uh, I know we did the pre-interview a few months back, and your in, your story was so captivating that um, Pastor Caesar, and myself, we always bring you up at least once a week, and and we're really <laughs> interested in <laughs> the way God just worked in your life. So let's let's start with what got you into being an author. How did that come about? Wow, um, it, it, I was living in Hawaii. And my wife and I were actually um, caretakers on a private estate out there in the jungle. And um, I, had, I had a compulsion. The Lord spoke to me and, and said he wanted me to write a book. And so I went to my wife and, and I said, listen, um, the Lord's giving me a commission and he wants me to write this book to help fallen away Christians and other people who are seeking and searching for a spiritual path, he wants me to put down some thoughts to help them, you know, discover his love again. So that's how the, the authorship sort of came about. Um, I had never been much of a reader, um, you know, except for requirements in college and, and postgraduate work. But I really wasn't much of a, a recreational reader. Um, so to be an author was sort of the farthest thing from my mind anyway. But when the Lord called, um, at the end of the, the 15 years that I had been on the path, um, I trusted in him that he would let me know you know, what I should write about and, and what it should come out as. And that's how the authorship started. Um, it wasn't something I had planned. It wasn't something that I had been necessarily prepared for. And it wasn't something where I thought, well, I want to write the great American novel or, you know, write some best-selling book. It was, it was strictly um, the Lord's Word, encouraging me and, and getting me on the path to put down what he was wanting me to share. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, God, God calls us. And when he does call us, you know, it's interesting how we switch from our day to day activities and things that we were into to just writing down or doing what he wants, right? His path, right? Yeah, he's got a purpose for for each one of us, you know, and he's got a design for our lives that is in, his intention is to bring us back to him. We came here as his creations, as spiritual energy, you know, part of him, and that's how we arrived, and, and he's always calling us to come back. And uh, the thing I love about the Lord is he calls so many different people in so many different ways, and... You know, there's a lot of seekers and searchers out there wanting to know about the Lord, but there's no way that any of us can get to all of them. So he chooses people um, to walk his path and share his word in their way and in their life. Not everybody, you know, is called to have a congregation or a large or a small gathering of people, but he's got a purpose for us. He's got a design for our lives, and that's to come back to Him. And once we discover that, the great thing about the Lord is when He calls you and you accept, you never know what the path is going to hold. But 
um, he'll put you where he wants you to be to do what he wants you to do so that you can sow the seeds and spread the word. And the thing I love most about the Christian religion is that so many different people are trying to spread the word and share the gospel in so many different ways around the world. It's, it's just really amazing. So when God calls you and you answer, don't worry about the steps or the plan. He's already got that decided for you. Amen. Amen. You know, uh, Mr. Branch, you, you bring up an interesting point is he gives you his path. And let me ask you a question. Is it easy? Is, is the path? That's a great question. The path is simple, but it's never easy. Um, you know, uh, the one of the most difficult things when a person accepts Christ into their life and decides to get on the path that's going to lead to the Lord, um, the devil, his job, his desire is to not lose one soul. And so I find the hardest thing for a lot of new Christians or a lot of fallen away Christians who are coming back to the Lord, uh, people who are searching to get on the path, as soon as they do and they give over to the Lord their struggles and their stress and their conflicts, the devil redoubles his efforts. Um, you know, his desire and his goal is to have as many worshipers as he possibly can. So when we decide to leave the world's path, and to shun the devil and to turn towards the Lord God through Jesus Christ and his spirit, we've made the decision that the devil detests. So he will redouble his efforts to knock us off the path. You know, a lot of first time or new Christians will give it over to God and then sort of think, okay, well, God, I've given it to you, so I'm relying on you to take it. And they forget that you know, this walk is going to be a daily exercise and things are going to happen that are going to test us and tempt us. And once we've chosen that way, the world is going to redouble its efforts to kick us off the path again. So it's, it's sometimes difficult and it's sometimes simple, but it's never easy. It, it's not intended to be easy. Um, the Lord doesn't coerce us or cajole us, but he allows us to be tempted and tested to see if, you know, we're really going to stay the course on his path and, and become obedient children. So it, it's not easy, but it can be done. And every Christian, every spiritual Christian who's walking the path has been in the same situation where they've not been on the path and then they've been on the path and they've gotten knocked off the path. So it's, it's a continual effort. So there's not an ease to it, but there's a fulfillment of the heart. And this is what I try to explain to people. When you've got the Spirit of Christ living within you, and he directs your actions and your decisions, there's nothing that can fulfill that void in our hearts like the love of God. And every time we respond, you know, the way Jesus would have responded in a situation the Lord smiles at our obedience, and and his blessing is just that. It's a blessing of understanding that we choose to do God's thing in our life, and that fulfillment in our heart 
can't be replaced by by any material or worldly thing. Um, so it's not easy, but it's certainly rewarding. Yes, that's that's absolutely correct. You know, you know when when you talk about the path not being easy but rewarding, and folks that you know get you know come on the path as new Christians and they get knocked back off. Is that the genesis or what inspired your? Wow. Um, well, you know, I spent the first half of my life walking the world's way and um, had some success and had some failure. And like most people, you know, had a lot of issues that, that I was dealing with. And my original self-fulfillment, I got tired of the world's way about age 35. And I decided that I wanted to search for truth. I couldn't believe, you know, what I was being told, but I couldn't find any solace in religion. Um, So I decided I'm going to forego all of that and strictly try and find the truth in my life as it, you know, as I go through life and the people that I come in contact with. And I did that for about five years. And in that part of my journey, I spent a lot of time comparing uh, different spiritual paths, different religions, different Eastern mysticism. I was raised a Christian, um, sort of a uh, C&E Christian, um, uh, Christmas and Easter. I didn't have a a real heavy background in Christianity. I had a, I had a, <clears throat> I had the Lord within me. I could feel that, but I really didn't know what to do with it. But I, you know, I, I, I grew up and had a similar kind of situation that most people have in 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 their education and their lifestyle and those kind of things. So I I went on the path and the search for truth, and that that was a struggle for about five years because I couldn't find. You know, I knew what truth was, but I couldn't find anything that would validate it for me. So the um, the pillars were built and the foundation was laid, but I was having a difficult time, you know, expressing myself or, or making it seem real. Um, I don't know if that kind of answers that question. Um, I had three epiphanies over the next 10 years and that's what really brought me onto the spiritual path and, and the relationship with, with God through Christ's spirit. Okay. Well, yeah, that's, that's good. And, and, you know, we, we go through these things and we have these, um, I guess when you call them encounters, <laughs> kind of yeah. like, uh, like, like Saul did, you know, on, 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 as he neared Damascus, right? And it changes right. our life, you know. But that, can you talk about your books a little bit, um, Mr. Branch? And how, through your books, are are they all spiritually connected? Are they not? Can can the audience pick up a book and just understand God right away? Or how how how, how does that come together? Well, interestingly enough, I write for both the spiritual and the world. Um, I have four nonfiction books, which are um, books to help people from where they're at 
get an understanding perhaps of where they may want to go. All of my fiction books are short stories and poetry. And of those 18, four of them are, are strictly spiritual based. They're all of the works within each of those are spiritually grounded, Christian grounded kinds of themes. Um, no matter whether the story is about, all of the stories deal with life experiences that are common to all adults. Everything that we kind of go through in our daily activities and our choices in our world, <clears throat> um, you know, we all kind of experience or are exposed to the same lessons in life. They just play out for each of us at different times and in different ways. But running through all of my books, the fiction books, there's an undertone of spiritual growth, spiritual strength, spiritual grounding. Uh, the story itself may not be spiritual or Christian in nature in terms of the scenario or the situation or the plot or the characters, but if you read through the books, there's always sort of this invitation to discover more about yourself and then an invitation to discover about your spiritual self. And if you don't have a spiritual self yet, then the idea is that the stories will help you discover what that looks like and how to acquire it. So, you know, I'm a, a believing Christian and my commission is to help others through my writing become more balanced in their life, but to do it with a spiritual strength. Because I find that with many people, you know, their struggle and their stress and their conflict comes because the world has entrapped them and their spirit is, is basically inactive. Um, we all have a spirit within us. We come with it into this reality as part of our soul. And we innately, because we have the Spirit of God within us at birth, we innately know right from wrong. That is, we know the nature and character of God, which is moral, uh, morality and ethics. And we know that. And we learn that as we grow from sort of a society legalistic point of what's right and what's wrong. <clears throat> but for the person whose spirit has not been awakened by Christ, the, the, the world, you know, buries us under layers and layers of itself. And so our spirit is there, but it's inactive. We know right from wrong, but we don't know why. And when we have the spirit of God within us, when it's activated through Jesus, you know, the invitation for Jesus' Spirit to come with us, then he dwells within us. And from that point on, you know, not only do we know right and wrong, but we know why. And so that's what my writing is about, is how to get that spiritual strength and then how to make it my own, how to make it the reader's strength so that as they go through their life and the daily struggles of life, the Spirit of God is actively working within them to guide them and show them the way. Yeah, that, that's, that's amazing how, you know, although all your books are not, you know, per se, 
Christian books. They're written, you know, for say, you know, the world and, and others to read. But there's a calling or a tug for God through your writing. Is, is that right? That's exactly right. There's, you know, um, he's there and he wants us to know he's there. So a, as a writer, as an author, that's part of my job is to help people who are in that place where they're struggling or searching to know, hey, he is there. You know, he exists and there's a reason he exists. And that reason involves you and involves your life. So uh, it's it's that's the goal is to help people realize that he's real and he's there and he's there to help us individually. You know, one of the hardest things for us as people to understand is that God would even be interested in having a personal relationship with us. You know, who, who are we? And we are not, mm. we don't see ourselves like we see the prophets and, and the leaders and the people in the Bible that the stories are about. It's very difficult for us today to relate to many of the heroes of biblical scripture and, and stories. Um, those are pretty phenomenal people that did pretty fantastic stuff. And who am I? You know, I'm just here struggling day to day trying to get by. And for us to consider that Christ and God the Father would even be, you know, have a remote interest in our well-being is pretty heavy stuff. Um, and yet that's what it's all about. He understands and loves each of us, no matter where we're at, no matter what we're struggling with, and we're just as important to him as all of those biblical heroes that we read about. Um, that's pretty deep for us to try to consider that he wants a personal relationship with us, but he does. And when we discover that he does, the, the magnificence of his glory is that, man, he's with us every day and he'll conversate with us every day. Um, the, the most amazing thing I find about being a Christian and having God's spirit within me is as I go through my daily life, even the smallest thing shows me he's interested in me and he wants what's best for me. Um, it's, it's just truly amazing. And I know it's hard for people, you know, who are just starting on the path or who aren't that far down the path to understand and to see that. Um, I always advise people, you know, don't give up, stay on the path. The further down the path you go, the more he's going to show his presence in your life. And the more you can rely on him when the, things really get tough. Wow. Yeah. You, you know, Mr. Branch, that, that, that's right. You know, folks, you know, they compare themselves to the characters, uh, the biblical characters in the Bible, and they look at themselves like in the mirror and, and try to compare themselves like a side by side comparison. And they think they're not worthy. So what do you have to say, or what's your thought on people that say, you know what, I've done too much. I'm, you know, I'm the lowest of the low. God forgot about me. What do you say? Well, usually when they say that about themselves, you know what? They're right. They get to that point where they realize 
how low they truly are and how much of a sinner they truly are. You know, the person who's at that place actually sees reality for what it is. Those people who, you know, say, I'm not worthy or I'm bad or, or, but I'm okay. When they vacillate back and forth as to whether or not they deserve God's love, they deserve God's attention or salvation, the answer is we don't, you know. So, but the person who gets that low and they're just about to give up, if they'll, you know, trigger that spiritual desire within, the Lord will answer. And that's the great thing about the Lord's love is no matter how many times we turn away, he's always there with open arms once again. And for those who, you know, get on the path and fall off and get back on the path and fall off, he's always there. And he shows us that he's always there. But the interesting thing is God will never demand anything of us except one thing. He demands that at some point in our life, between now, today, and our last breath, He demands that we decide, will we believe in and follow Jesus Christ or not? And that's the key question for everybody alive. If you'll take that leap of faith and invite Jesus into your life, I guarantee you the rest of the time you're here will be entirely different as long as you accept his spiritual guidance and walk that path. You know, no matter how low you get, no matter how bad things seem to be, there is a light at the end of the tunnel, and it's the light of Christ. And the interesting thing about life is the only way we can live it is by living it. You know, nothing, it's not a movie, it's not a rehearsal. So everything we choose to do, every decision we make, has true consequences and we want to make the kind of decisions that make our lives better. Um, It's difficult to explain to non-Christians or people who are doubting their own spiritual relationship with Christ because it's so easy to be dissuaded and persuaded away. Um, The easiest people to, to share with are Christians who are on the path and, you know, desire to stay on the path because they're seeing him working in their lives every day. So being low, being at your lowest point um, can actually be the turning point. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. A turning point. And like you said earlier, God's calling you. So you get to your lowest point, now you can hear him. <laughs> he's reaching exactly. out to you. Now, when you quit listening to the world, you're able to finally hear the Lord. You know, it's it's amazing how clear His voice gets. Amen. He's, you know, he. There's a reason that He allows us to struggle, and there's a reason He allows us to make foolish choices. Um, he's trying to get our attention. And, and the, the people who, you know, growth is all about 
understanding that attention and not making the same or similar mistakes again and again and again. That's 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 what the world loves. It loves for us, you know, to make a mistake and then to suffer a consequence and then to continue to beat ourselves up about it. Um, that's that's the real power that the world has when we've done something that we're ashamed of or embarrassed by. Um, it'll allow us to continue to mull that over in our mind and beat ourselves, you know, into submission. And as long as we're in that place, we keep the Lord, you know, at arm's length. We continue to focus on how bad we've been and how unworthy we are and how undeserving we are of anybody's love, much less God's love. And yet there he is, um, you know, always ready. There's nobody in the universe who wants more for us and has our interest at heart more than God himself. But, you know, he can't, he can't show us that just be just like he can't sin. He can't show us unless we're ready to receive it. He can only show us what we are willing to turn from him and receive from him. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm I'm looking at your webpage here, and I see you got a book uh, uh, titled "Breaking Free." And Breaking free. you know, when you talk, yeah, yeah, I, you know, and and I see what you're talking about about that transformation or that breaking point that people encounter. It is is can you give us a little bit more insight about the Breaking Free book? Well, that's actually my my latest book. It's not available yet. It's not been published. It's a follow-up to my first book, which was God, I Believe. And, um, well, in God, I Believe, I'm what I try to do is, out of the, the growth that I had received, you know, we had talked about a moment ago about struggling with different faiths and, and different uh, belief systems, the God I Believe book is is a basically a layman's comparative study between the world's religions. So I have people who come to me and say, you know, I want to be a, um, a a Buddhist or I want to be a Muslim. You know, why should I consider some other religion? And so what God I Believe does is it takes all of the world's primary religions that are active today and compares them asking the same 10 questions. And what what I try to do is, if a person says, gee, I wanna be a Buddhist, and I say, well, what do you know about Buddhism? And they say, the eight paths, that's all I know. Okay, well, you probably wanna know more than that to be a true Buddhist. So the, the God I Believe book does that comparison for the reader and allows them to see the different religions and how they respond to the same question. And after that point, you, you know, you have more information to make a more informed choice as to what spiritual path you might want to um, be putting your feet on. The Breaking Free book kind of is the sequel or the follow-up to the God I Believe book. God I Believe is the foundation of the pillars of spiritual Christianity. The Breaking Free book 
helps the reader go further down the path to understand um, what breaking free truly is about. It, it's about spiritual strength and spiritual grounding so that the world no longer has its hooks in you. It no longer has its grasp on you. Um, you've broken free, and when that spirit's alive within you, um, then you can take on the other challenges that life is presenting, uh, the more esoteric challenges, the more philosophical challenges, because the world no longer has its power over you. So now we can go further down that spiritual path, and, and breaking free tries to it's like a, a flower, you know, the God I believe is the bud and the breaking free is the blossom, is the bloom. So it, it goes a little more into, um, golly, the more into the spirituality, the, the philosophical part of it. Um, so that's what breaking free is about. We're just about to actually get it published um, and it'll be available on the website both in paperback and ebook. All right. Now that that's excellent. You know, uh, Mr. Branch, as you talked about those hooks that the world, I guess, tries to keep in people so they don't break loose and understand the spiritual development and where they are. Can you can you for our, for our listeners, can you define some of those hooks? Cuz maybe some of those hooks are in somebody listening but they just don't realize it yet. What, what what are some of those hooks? Uh, the obvious ones are drug, sex, rock and roll. Um, mm. You know, it, 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 it's, well, possessions, you know, this celebrity, all of these things that the world tries to and does sell us as to who you want to be and who you should want to be and what you should desire, um, you know, so it's it's all of the material things, it's all of the covetous things, it's all of the things that we're presented with and and sold. It's it's the competitive nature of you know I need to be the best so I'll do anything, um, I'll step on anybody's toes and do anything I have to do to win. It's the all about me attitude. It's all of those things. And the sad part of our world today is it's the fundamental part of our world. I mean, that's what our world is all about. Spirituality and a relationship with God through Christ has been put so far astray and so far from our reach by the world and the world's ways that we don't think we can have a relationship. You know, what I try to help people understand is we are spiritual creatures here visiting a concrete and material world. What we've, what we've disallowed ourselves is an understanding that we can have balance. I can be living in this world and interacting in this world with people and events but that doesn't mean I can't be a spiritual being in this world. I can be actively spiritual with God, and I can be actively engaged with the people I come in contact to 
contact with and the events that I choose to partake of in this world. It's not an either or, but I can make a choice every day as to how I'm going to spend my time and my energy and how, who I'm going to spend that time and energy with. And when I have people in my life who come in, you know, and try and take advantage of me or <clears throat> present me with something that's not in my best interest, and I know in my heart what's in my best interest, we all do. God gives us that intuition that we know what is in my best interest and what's not. And when something or someone comes in, into my life and tries to take advantage of me or convince me to do something that's not in my best interest, the, with the spirit living within me, I say, whoa, stop. You know, I appreciate your efforts and your energies, but it's not for me. And that's the difference between <clears throat> God's spirit being active in one's life and inactive in one's life. With the active spirit, the Lord gives you that strength to say no to the world. And the world is not going to stop. You know, every day is new energies and new efforts. No matter what our lives are, we're trying to get through the day and survive the struggle and the stress of this world. With the inactive spirit, that's kind of tough to do, and people get taken advantage of every day. With the active spirit, and this is what I am trying to encourage people to why to get that spirit activity going, it gives you the strength to turn away from the world when it's not in your best interest. So the world will not give up. Its energy is always going to be, you know, basically against you. And it's going to try to convince you to be who your spirit doesn't want you to be or the world doesn't want you to be who your spirit wants you to be. And that's a choice. We, we make choices every day. And <clears throat> the, the biggest choice we have to make in every situation is, am I going to respond my way? That is the world's way. What's in it for me? Or am I going to respond the way God would respond, the way Christ responded? You know, am I going to walk the path that leads me down the world? or I'm going to walk the Lord's path? And that's the question we have to ask ourselves every day in every situation. You know, how will I respond to this person? How will I respond to this event? How will I respond to this choice? Am I going to do it what I think is best for me, or I'm going to do it what God knows is best for me? So the, the world will never change or, or diminish its energies to suck the life out of us, but God's spirit in us gives us the strength to say no when we have to say no, or when we should say no. And the one who goes down the path starts to realize this. And once you've accepted God's spirit living within you, and you follow his direction and his counseling and his advantageous efforts on your behalf, it becomes much easier to tell the world, no thanks, you know, I'm just not interested. And the world is nothing but negative energy. And it, I trust me, it w if you tell it to go away, it will go away and find someplace else to be. That's its nature, is to find a weakness and take it over. And with, with the strength of the Lord, the strength of Christ, with God's spirit within you, 
you can, you know, you can put a stop to that and your entire life will be different from, from that day on. You just have to stay the course. Yeah. You got to stay the course and continue to listen to the voice of God as you navigate each day or each path. You know, you, you said a lot, you said a lot there, um, Mr. Brandt. So I, I just want to just dig into a little bit on the spirit spirituality side of it. So <clears throat> folks, are, you know, they're, they're here or feel God, but the world is trying to pull them back. Right. That's, that's what we're saying. But as they fall off, how, what's your recommendation for them to get themselves back up, like dust their shoes off and, and get going again? What's, what's your recommendation for those type of Ah, great question. I'm really glad you asked. My my suggestion is you go read the book of John. <clears throat> you know, right. I, I always uh-huh. I always tell I always tell people who ask me, you know, the, they say the Bible's so difficult. You know, I don't know the names, I don't know the places, I don't understand the stories, <clears throat> particularly in the Old Testament. You know, that's really some tough stuff to wade through. But even in the New Testament, um, you know, letters from Paul and, and those kind of things. So many people who read Scripture, I find, um, they're looking for the point of the story, but they're missing, you know, the spiritual undertone. So when when people say, "What do I? how do I get started? Where do I go? How do I get, you know, how do I put my foot on the path if I don't attend church or I don't have a congregation or I don't have a fellowship group or even if I do, but how do I, how do I start? And I always say, start the book of John. Now, if that's too heavy, get yourself a red letter edition of the Bible and just go through the New Testament and read only what's in red. If you want the true abridged version and you want to know about Jesus Christ without all the other stuff, get a Bible, go to the four books of the gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and just read the red letter stuff. That's what Jesus said. And if you want to know what Jesus said, that's your abridged version. Start there. Read all the red letter statements. And then you'll have a foundation of who Christ was, why he came, why he was here, and what he means for you and me. Then when you've got that pillar built, go to the book of John and read the book of John. And when you've got that pillar built, go back and read any one or all three of the synoptic gospels. That's Matthew, Mark, and Luke, because they are fundamentally much of the same story um, in the same, presented in the same way. And then when you finish that, you'll have the pillars you need to build upon that and, and go through any of the other books of the, the New Testament. Uh, Romans is great. Hebrews is great. Uh, those are, they really show the relationship between the people living in Christ's day and right after Christ's day and modern day. Um, and if, if you're, if you're still interested, just keep going at that point. Yeah, that's, 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 that's a great, great way to set a, a person up, you know, so they can get themselves stood back up on the word. You know, I, I noticed you said, grab the Bible. That's the first thing you said. And, and definitely we, 
in this pot this uh, talk show and podcast we always have people grab the bibles for reference points but you didn't say run to religion why, why? wow great question um the simplest thing i can say is spirituality comes from god and religion is man's interpretation of god um, now, I have nothing against religion. Um, anyone who's brave enough to have a congregation and go down that path, more power to them. Uh, it's very difficult to teach and entertain and help people who are, you know, struggling and in need. And churches have a definite place and fulfill great um rewards for those who go to church. Um, anyone who goes to church, as long as they're finding God and building that relationship, I couldn't want more for them. But I find that there's a lot of people in the world today who you know, shy away from religion, um, but still have that burning desire to know more and to uh, be closer to God. And they, and they wonder, well, how do I do that? And again, I get back to the, the spiritual aspect because I believe that as God as the creator has created us as spirits from his spirit. Um, the Bible tells us he's spirit, and that's his form. <coughs> Pardon me. Um, so, you know, re religion is fine, and the people who, who get their relationship with God fed in religious situations, uh, more power to them. I'm, I'm happy for them. As long as they get fed, you know, a relationship with Christ, that's what they should be there for, and that's what they should be getting. Um, so it's not a matter of, you know, religion or spirituality. They're the same things, but I'm just a believer. You don't have to go to a, um, you know, a building or organized religion or dogmatic um, principled religion to a have a relationship with God and b come closer to God. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, God has a personal relationship with each one of His children. You know, um, as you're talking, Mr. Branch, I see you moved around the whole world. So I wonder if that had an influence. Look like you're from, like, born in Japan. Is is that right? Yeah, born in Japan. Uh, my dad was in the military, so we, you know, traveled. Uh, you never have much of a suitcase because in the military, every three or four years, you're going someplace new. But mm. yeah, I was blessed to be able to travel. And you know, I was recently asked this in another podcast, and <clears throat> I didn't think about it. But as I reflected on it, I think that the exposure to different cultures and different people and different situations um, definitely had an influence on my writing. Um, I've been blessed to be in some really different kinds of situations and places. You know, when I, I lived in Germany and I moved there um, in 1960 as a teenager and there was still rubble in the streets from World War II. And <clears throat> so wow. 
this exposure to you know different places and, and different geographies and different people has definitely played uh, been beneficial for my experiential base from which I draw from in my writing I have you know just about every <clears throat> situation or scenario as a story plot that you could find and so having all of those different kinds of experiences gives me a breadth of, of knowledge, actual knowledge of living it to be able to put it down in writing. But yeah, I lived, um, born in Japan. I lived in Europe for a number of years. Uh, I lived on both West Coast, East Coast. I grew up part of my young childhood was in Canada. I was living with my grandparents. So lots of different experiences uh, to draw from, you know, in making up uh, stories that then I could try and build a lesson or a theme into. Yeah. Yeah. No, as you, as you move around the world, you, you do come across some differences other than the U S right. And, and it changes your perspective. Have you noticed as you traveled, I, I don't know if you were in, in church in those other countries, but have you noticed a difference in how uh, people worship or, or praise God in other countries versus, you know, well, only from religion to religion. But, you know, I was, when I lived in Germany, we attended an Episcopal church. I was raised Episcopalian. In fact, I was baptized by the Archbishop of Canterbury. Um, but so, you know, I, I was, um, I went to a Catholic primary school, so I got exposed to Catholicism. And then I, I, you know, in my middle grade and, and adolescent years, I was, uh, like, say, uh, exposed to the Episcopal Church. And then I exposed myself to different religions as an adult when I was starting my search. So <clears throat> um, the, the interesting thing about religion, uh, as I see it, is all of the masters of the religions, um, Jesus, Muhammad, Buddha, <clears throat> Krishna, you know, they were all touched by and guided by God, by the spirit of the one God, okay? And if you examine the writings and the doctrines, the original writings and doctrines of any of those religions, <clears throat> they fundamentally are the same thing. They're, they're all talking about love and forgiveness and one supreme being. It's when the master of that religion, that is Buddha, Jesus, Muhammad, Krishna, when that person dies and passes from this planet, there's a void left within the religion. And because no one can really take the place of the master, of the teacher, those who are are left and try and fill that vacuum are usually people who have at some point an ulterior motive, right? There's always that what's in it for me kind of splinter in the back of one's consciousness. So, <clears throat> pardon me, when the master leaves and somebody has to step in to take their place, 
all of a sudden it's not the same person. So the teaching is really not the same and it starts to get morphed. And we see this, you know, in Judaism, we see it in Christianity, we definitely see it in Islam. As the <clears throat> doctrines start to get morphed by the new leadership, um, it starts to stray away from the uh, wholeness of God. And all of a sudden, <clears throat> religion starts to take on new meanings and new worships and new rites and all kinds of it, it metam it's metamorphosizing as it goes and the longer it goes on years decades hundreds of years thousands of years <clears throat> it can often lose its essence of you know who god is what god's plan is and what that plan means for me and all of a sudden we're talking about religion as <clears throat> the way to get to God. And that's not the way you get to God. You get to God through the Spirit of Christ. So that that's, you know, again, I, I don't deny anyone their desire or their activation of becoming religious or following <clears throat> and believing in religious doctrine. But you have to segregate what the purpose of religion is today with what its purpose was when it was in the, the mouth of Jesus and Buddha and Muhammad. Um, I don't know if that helps answer the question. Yeah, so let, let's let's talk about that for we got a, you know at least ten minutes left here. So Paul said, you know, you got to have be on sound and have sound doctrine. So how how does one understand which doctrine is sound? Because they're not in now from your perspective going to listen to uh, you know the religious leaders. So they're solely going to read the Bible and they're going to listen to the Holy Spirit, but the world is tugging at them, it's pulling on them. So how do they get that clarity on sound doctrine? Uh, that's Matthew twenty two thirty seven. Amen. That, Matthew that's how you get it. Yep. You want to expound on that for us, please? Sure. Let me pull it up for you. I don't want to misquote it. Okay. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And second commandment is like unto it, Love your neighbor as yourself. On these hang all the laws and the prophets. You know, if we would do that, we'd live in a real different world. But we're not going to be in that world until we're here and with Christ in the world hereafter. But, you know, that to me is what it's all about. Love God first and most. Love your and treat your neighbor as yourself. You know, and if you do that, if you live your life that way, your life will be changed 100% tomorrow. Now, from that, from Christ's own words, you know, we get 
the development of doctrine. The one thing I want to say about the Bible is the way we can know that it's true is that there is not a situation that you can possibly get yourself into that the Bible doesn't have the answer for. Wow. And you can find it in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. So that's the power and the strength and the veracity of the Word of God in the Bible. You know, there's a lot of doctrine that's not in the Bible, you know, the Apocrypha and and, and all the other writings. So where do you put, you know, where do you put your core? Where do you put your strength? And I say you put it in Matthew 22, 37. If you'll do that, your life will be changed. So, um, you know, everything stems from that for me, for the doctrine, for Scripture. But there's there's Scripture that will answer any question and every question you possibly can have or any situation you can possibly get yourself into. Um, no, that, that's absolutely right. This Scripture that was written, you know, thousands of years ago, and when you read it, it looks like it was written today. <laughs> you know, as you look at it, you're like, was that written yesterday? Is that about me? <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. That's, yeah, that's, that's the core. That's the good core of religion is the scripture. Uh, You know, uh, that's the good core of Christianity is the scripture. But the challenge is, are you willing to live what it says? That's where the rub comes. You know, are you willing to really be a Christian? What is, what is a Christian? No, it's not somebody who calls themselves a Christian. It's somebody who emulates how Christ responded and behaved. Christianity is not about Christians. Christians are about Christ-like behavior. That's what being a Christian is about, is acting the way Christ would act, respond the way Christ would respond in the same situation you find yourself right now. The reason you it, you, it could be 2,000 years ago or today is because nothing has changed in the way man responds and behaves towards his fellow man. It's still dog-eat-dog. There's, there's got to yeah. be a different way, and that different way is the Word of God. If you've got that Word of God living within you... <clears throat> then the things you read in the in the Bible certainly start to become real. You start to identify your life and your family and your community in the same situation that Christ watched and walked when he was here. Those things don't change. The lessons of life don't change. What changes is our desire and our ability to grow and become a better person. If, if I'm chasing the ways of the world, <clears throat> that's doing nothing to make me a better person. If I can love God enough to think about God every day in every situation that I find myself or I have to make an important decision or choice, if I respond the way Christ did, then I understand what the Scripture really means. That's how you make Scripture come alive. Start acting Christ-like in your life. Quit calling yourself a Christian. 
start being Christ-like, and you'll understand what Scripture means, and you'll understand what the Bible's about, and you'll understand what Christianity is supposed to be about. Yeah, no, you you touched all the right points, Mr. Branch, I tell you. You know, Mr. Branch, you, you, you hit all the right points, and I tell you, people want to hear this podcast talk show. I think you're going to change some lives. Have you seen people's lives change through not just your book, but through conversation? Yes, I have. And, and w- people come to me and, and they'll talk about, you know, something they've read in the book and they say, God, I, I, I didn't think about it that way. You know, I love what you yeah. said here. It was completely different than I, I imagined or I thought it was going to be. Um, I always try to have my stories have, not always, but a lot of them have kind of a, a I don't want to say trick ending, but the, the ending is not where the story seems to have been going. So they they go, man, I hadn't thought about it that way. Or, you know, people, I've been truly blessed. I, I have to tell you, I was I was 40 years on the world's path and was successful in all the world's ways. And at the end of 40 years, had nothing to show for it. I've been 35 years on the Lord's path and I have nothing but blessings to show for it. And people come to me and they say, you're so blessed. You know, you have so many things you have, you know, such a great situation, such a great wife and so many material blessings. You know, I want what you want. And I simply look them in the eye and point to the heavens and say, you know, get right with God. What he's done for me in my life, the second half of my life, he'll do for anybody. I'm not special. I, I wasn't, you know, I'm, I'm not special. I'm just like everybody else. The greatest thing about being a Christian is you can identify with people who are not Christians because you were, on, you were not on the path at one time. You were where they are, and you now know the difference. So when people ask me, you know, how can I be like you? How can I get what you've got? Turn your life over to God. That's what I did. And, you know, it it made all the difference. He'll do the same thing for you. None of us are special. He has a plan for all of us. He's got a design and a purpose for our lives, each and every one of us. And if you'll trust in him and believe what he says is true, he'll prove it to you. So, you know, every, every, every hero in the Bible once was not a hero. They all faced the same kinds of struggles that we face today. They all had the same kind of conflicts. When you turn your life over to God, when you invite Jesus into your life and you accept his spirit to come and dwell with yours, your life will never be the same. All you have to do in every situation you find yourself is ask, what would Jesus do? Remember when that was a fad in the 90s with the beads and the bracelets? I do. Well, that that question has been around for 2,000 years, and it's still the most powerful question you can ask. When you have to face adversity, when you have to make a decision, when you have to make a choice, and you don't know what to do, and you say, what would Jesus do? His spirit living within you will answer. 
and will show you the future. He will show you the consequences of choosing the world's way or what you want to do, what your body and mind tell you you want to do. And at the same time, his spirit will show you the consequence of that situation and the choice of choosing the world's way or God's way. And when you listen to the spirit and you step around that hole of adversity that the world has got laid out for you and you respond like Jesus would respond, he's going to send a blessing into your life and you don't know what it's going to be. And I swear I'll be driving down the road and somebody will cut me off on the road. And I thank the Lord for taking care of me because <clears throat> that was the blessing. He saved me from a situation that I didn't want to be in. And, and when you ask Jesus, what would Jesus do in this situation? And you respond the way he would. And you'll know because the spirit will tell you how to respond. When you do that, G Jesus will smile and God will smile because you've been an obedient child and you've used Jesus Christ as your example of how to behave how to respond. <clears throat> and your life is going to change. You're going to be blessed in so many ways. It may be material. It may be re relationship. It may be with family members or coworkers, but you're going to be blessed and you'll recognize it. And when you recognize that blessing and you remember, Hey, it was because I responded the way Christ would respond. Then you want to do that more and more. And the more you do it, the more you will be blessed in your life, the less stress you're going to have, the less struggle you're going to have, and you're going to realize the folly of the world that's being painting, painting this picture for us that's totally not real. Real is having Christ in your life to help you walk the path that the world is laid before you. And, you know... If he'll do it for me, he'll do it for you. That's his promise. Uh, that deserves a hand clap there, <laughs> Mr. Branch. That was awesome. That was awesome. You, you know, as we get ready to, to close the show, I want to give you opportunity to give us uh, a thought for today. What do you got for the for the audience? Oh, I'm gonna give you. A, I'm gonna give you my favorite. My favorite. Uh, verse from the Bible. Okay, and it's, for those who are following along, it's John 8, 47. John 8, 47 tells us, let me get it here. Whoever belongs to God, hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. If you'll listen to God, he knows that you then belong to him. And he'll direct your life from now until the last breath you take. And your world of struggles and stress and conflict will fade away. Because you'll be listening to God's voice. And he'll only have what's in your best interest at heart. And his spirit will direct you that way. Amen. That's it. All right. Mr. Branch, I would tell you this was a 
awesome conversation. The the topics that you went through are going to change someone's life. How, how could one get in get in contact? Which how can they follow you on Facebook or where, where can they where can they locate you on on on, uh, on social media? I'm on Facebook at the Voyeuristic Poet. I'm on LinkedIn as Branchy Soleil. <clears throat> I've got a YouTube channel where we post. Uh, we have over 400 posts on YouTube right now, short stories, poetry, thought for the day. Um, I've got nine end time series posted there. And at my website, uh, branchysoleil.com, we, we keep a rotating post going there. And uh, there's a lot of archive stuff on the, web, on the website. So any of those places, there's an opportunity to follow on all of those sites, there's also an opportunity to contact me by email at the website. I answer every email. I welcome questions. Um, I'll, I'll be straight with you and, and we'll come from the truth and, and God's word. All right. Amen. And I want to thank you, Mr. Branch, for coming on this show and giving your insights and and talking about transformation how the spirit and god moves not just within you but through your writing so i thank you i know the listeners thank you and we got to do this again maybe have a part two what do you think mr branch whenever you're ready you let me know i'm ready to go well what did you think about mr branch's discussion he's a man that is touched by God and he's touching others so stay blessed out there share this podcast with others so they can be blessed and remember you have the power